Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, we are talking with Father Tim Anastas, and we are talking all about igniting faith in the heart of teens. We are in our second episode, and we're going to talk specifically with Father Tim just about how we can really have our teens and our young people have an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist, what that looks like. You might be thinking, I either am a teen or I know one, and I just don't know if they are really capable of sitting down for that long or focusing or if they even really want to. And that's totally fine if you think that. And I'm happy and I'm excited to really dive into that with Father Tim. And so thank you for joining us, Father. I'm so happy to have you here. For everyone listening, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you, Chanel. And I'm so excited to be here too because I get to work with high schoolers and young adults all the time. And honestly, that's what brings me joy because I feel younger mm, <laughs> and that's more energetic, but also uh, there's so much spirit and just desire for something greater with young people. And mm. um, that inspires me to be a better priest. But yeah, just a little bit about me. Yeah. My name is Father Tim Anastas. I am currently chaplain at the University of Illinois Chicago Newman Center, the St. John Paul II Newman Center. So I'm working with college kids all the time. Mm. I am currently helping out with the USCCB and I'm a Eucharistic revival preacher where I get to go around the country and I get to talk about the Eucharist to so many different places. It's amazing. What a gig. What a gig. I know. And I still don't know how it happened. And (laughs) that's part of the gift that it just like, this is obviously the Lord who's who was like, I want you to go on an adventure and mm. go around the country and talk about me. So that's been really cool. I've been able to go to places like the Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston, which is the whole state of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I've gone down to Florida, Diocese of Venice, Diocese of Tampa. I did an awesome Eucharistic revival for young adults in Southern California. Oh, wow. It was a whole yeah, young adult Eucharistic revival in SoCal, which was crazy. There are tons of Catholics down there who are on fire for their faith, which is amazing. Love. So I just have gotten to do that. um, But mainly I get to be a father to college kids and Mm. it's been a total joy. Ah, I love that, Father. And next time you're in Florida, let me know. I'm right in Central Florida. Oh, sweet. I'm going to take you out. I don't know if you're a coffee drinker or whatever, but... Totally a coffee drinker. Okay, I was like, there's cool coffee shops here, cool ice cream shops. But (laughs) let me not get off track. Thank you for sharing about yourself. And that's awesome that you've been to some places that will actually be parts of the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage next summer, including where you're at right now. And so I, you know, I would love to hear from you. Firstly, how did you decide or how did you say yes to becoming a priest, which is like, I'm sure a whole episode in itself. Right. But then, you know, firstly, I guess. How has your relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist, like, how do you feel like that has kind of, you know, launched you into working with young people? Are those two things connected? Yeah. How do you feel about kind of sharing that relationship and wanting others to have that kind of same experience? Right. Absolutely. And those are more connected than you know. So you're, I don't know if you have the gift of prophecy or not. But <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. I don't know. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> Basically, a very short version of my vocation story is that I went to University of Illinois in Champaign 
for my undergrad, studied linguistics down there. And I grew up, I grew up Catholic, but I didn't really, I didn't really know what it actually meant to be Catholic. Went mm. to mass every Sunday, prayed before meals, but I didn't really understand the Eucharist at all until college. Sure. And I went on a retreat my freshman year called Koinonia. And I went on the retreat because of a girl, kind of followed her there. As we do. Yep. Some would say I may have stalked her on the retreat. But uh, on the retreat, I went to confession for the first time in, man, six or seven years. And the Lord just got rid of so much crap that was on my heart that Mm. was just there. And after he absolved me, I was totally free. And Jesus was able to then really work in my heart because before then, there's just so much there that he couldn't get through to me. I wasn't allowing him. I wasn't giving him permission. And so after confession, it was a blank slate. Jesus mm. was Jesus freed me. And several minutes later, the Eucharist was exposed. We had adoration during the retreat. And it was the first time as a freshman in college where I recognized Jesus truly present in the Eucharist for the first time ever. And man, it was like, I, I realized, okay, Lord, if this is actually true, if you're not just a piece of bread and you are actually the Lord, like word made flesh in front of me. I actually, I have to change my life. If this is true and this is real, I totally have to change my life. And that put me on a trajectory of just getting to know him. And so my whole vocation story is rooted in the Eucharist, falling deeper and deeper in love with the Lord in the Eucharist. My senior year, um, I was, long story short, I was celebrating mass on the quad on campus. We have every semester what's called mass on the grass. Hmm. And so we would celebrate mass on the big quad, hundreds of students walking around. I was serving the mass on my senior year. And the priest at the time, he celebrated mass. And then after the mass, there was leftover Eucharist. There was leftover Jesus that we had to bring back to the chapel. And so hmm. he asked me very simply to come with him to bring back Jesus. We get to his car. He's He's holding the Lord. He's holding the Saboria filled with Jesus. And he said something to me that I will, ne- I will never forget. He said, Tim, will you hold our Lord for me? And man, when he, when he said that, it was like the deepest desire of my heart always has been and always will be holding the Lord. And those words just kept reverberating in and out of my heart. Will you hold our Lord for me? Will you hold our Lord for me? And then we got into the car. I'm still thinking about that. And I'm holding Jesus. I'm holding the Lord. And then I'm imagining myself holding him in the Eucharist as a priest, realizing that, oh my gosh, Jesus, like at at every mass, when we receive him in communion, he wants to be held. Hmm. That God himself wants to be so close to us that he wants to be held. And so in that moment, I, I said yes to the Lord and decided to go to seminary. And it was all because Jesus is not far away. He's not far away from us. He's not like in the clouds waiting for us to mess up. And then when we mess up, he's like, gotcha. I knew you were not perfect. Mm. So he's coming to us and he's, he wants to be that close that he wants to be received. And he comes to us in a tiny white host. So that's short story, oh, kind of. Well, of my oh my gosh! But, yeah. No, I love and uh, 
man, in a in another world slash in another episode, maybe I would love to just hear <laughs> literally your entire vocation story because that sounds beautiful. I would love to ask you, Father, what would you say then, you know, from your own experience, we know that a lot of us that work in ministry, a lot of, you know, how and why we work in ministry is because of a particular encounter that we've had with Jesus, and we want other people to experience that. But oftentimes, you know, people will come to us and say, like, okay, either themselves, they're like, I just kind of don't know where to start, or maybe like you know someone that's younger and you're like, I just kind of don't know if they really care. I don't know if that's too much or I don't know if, you know, that's too intense for them. Like, you know, to understanding the Eucharist is its own thing, right? It's like, it's, it's a big mystery and it's beautiful, but it's like, what would you say to someone that says just like, I kind of don't know where to start and I... I want to I want to get there but I just don't know if it's like too much, you know, what would you say? It's a great question and I think so many anyone who is listening to this has experienced that before. Hmm. And the way that I would first respond to it is I still think that. <laughs> I I still think that when I go to pray that there's this moment where I'm like, do I even know what I'm doing? Hmm. And the reality is I can be free to just receive the Lord and be free to go into the church, to go in front of the Eucharist and the tabernacle and not have to do anything, not have to prove anything to him because he's God and he's the one who puts the desire on our heart. And so first and foremost, if you're feeling that, you are normal and you are not weird. There it is. There's a word, <laughs> especially from a priest. I know that you mean it. So thank God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Praise God. Because yeah, you are you are normal and you are not weird. And that is totally okay that you go to the Lord in that way. But the desire to pray is there. And so first and foremost, just show up. Show up to pray and the Lord begins to do the rest. Woody Allen, he's directed and created a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. He has a famous quote where he said, 90% of success is just showing up. In prayer, it's very similar that we just, all we have to do, 90% of the whole thing is showing up and letting Jesus love you and letting Jesus teach you how to pray. That's the first thing that comes to mind is, number one, you are normal and not weird. Number two, just show up. I love that. Oh my gosh. You know what? And that is a good testimony and word for people, especially people like myself that where I'm like, ah, the hardest part is getting there, you know? And it's just like, whether it's getting in my car and just physically driving there or when I went to a Catholic college, you know, even walking across the street, I was like, oh gosh, it's just the thought of getting there, you know? Oh, totally. And I know for people that work with young people, or if you are a young person, there's that, there's that kind of movement that's hard. It's like that first movement of just kind of getting off of where you are or, you know, or feeling comfortable kind of, you know, sitting in silence because even that can feel pretty jarring. Totally. And so I love that you actually wrote a book with, you know, some reflections that people can use during that time that oftentimes is in silence, right? If you show up at a chapel, you're kind of just sitting with your own thoughts. And sometimes it's hard to sit with your own mind and just kind of see where the Lord guides you. And so 
What would you say that kind of, you know, reading reflections and immersing yourself into prayer in that way can be a helpful way to grow in your relationship with Eucharistic Lord? And what kind of expectations and hopes do you have for people that read your book, particularly Jesus Make Me Full Alive? The title says it all that just the deepest desire of my own heart is that when you pray, when you get close to the Lord and when you develop a relationship with him, you become fully alive. You mm. you don't become less of yourself. You don't become a Jesus freak or you know whatever is the equivalent to that, that you become fully alive because Jesus made you you. And for the lack of a better word, you become you weer mm. when you are with Jesus. Mm. Um, your life is more alive and you're in, in everything is enhanced because of Jesus. And so the the reflections in the book are, I, I want them to be almost like a slingshot where, you know, as you do these reflections in the book, you are being pulled back and pulled back and pulled back. And by the end of those reflections and the end of those 30 days, it's just like, whoosh, you are, you fly off and you are totally free to pray. And you are not bound by, always doing reflections and, and, you know, all the, all the, the to do's in, yeah, absolutely. in the reflections, like you are free to pray because you've established a relationship with the Lord. You know what he sounds like and you can just be with him mm-hmm. and you're free to have that prayer life with Jesus. And so a lot of the book is just teaching, um, especially young people, how to, how to develop the prayer life by methods that are, it's so easy to listen to Jesus. So for example, I teach in the book, I teach about Lexio Divina. Mm. For those who don't know, Lexio Divina is a Latin phrase. It means divine reading, where you go through a scripture passage and you reflect on a word or a phrase or something within the passage that strikes you and you tell Jesus about it. And once you tell Jesus about it, you are praying. And you're actually receiving words from him. And you actually learn how to listen to Jesus through scripture. And it's really, really easy. We just have to do it and we practice it. And the church gives us every single day a new gospel that we go to mass and there's a new gospel for the day. And so it's just so easy to immerse yourself in God's word where he has a word for you every single day. And he wants to speak to you every single day. And it's actually really easy to listen. So we go through Lexio Divina, and then we go through imaginative prayer, where I give prompts on different things to imagine with Jesus. Because the crazy thing is, Jesus created your imagination. Whoa. Yeah, that's part of you. He created your body, he created your soul, your mind, your personality, and also your imagination. And Jesus loves to use your imagination to get to him. And so when we give our imagination to the Lord and imagine different scenes in scripture, just imagine even what Jesus looks like, he works through that. And it's amazing and really powerful. And again, really easy to do. And that can really jumpstart our prayer. Wow. I absolutely love that. And that is so helpful. I mean, you're really showing up with some words today, Padre. And and I appreciate it because, you know, I have myself been in the past couple of weeks, I have been to adoration for the job that I do, but then just also personally right. 
almost every other day I have had like a holy hour. Wow. And I would love to say it's for like a super pious reason, but it really is. I mean, I love <laughs> God, but a lot of it is also because I work with Eucharistic pilgrimage. And so I have the opportunity to go to adoration um, almost every day. And so it was so interesting sitting in there because I thought to myself in the chapel, because I thought, wow, like, okay, what am I supposed to think about? What am I supposed to do? And then I was like, well, I guess I should think about what I want God to give me. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should think about what I can give God. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should think about people I should pray for. And it's so hard to stay pointed. Right. But then at the same time, I almost felt like God has such a sense of humor that I was like, you know, he must just think this is hilarious that I'm overthinking this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, all he wants me to do is just exist, like you were saying, just show up and right. exist. And there's not this grandiose, like, experience that I need to have every time. It's just like totally. being with your friend. And then you leave and you're like, oh, cool. I feel closer to this person, you know, to the person exactly. of Jesus. And it's like not this really you know, heavy thing where you have to, where you're getting to know someone that is completely unfamiliar because he's the most familiar. Amen. That's beautifully said. Yeah. So I just really like appreciate what you've been saying about just showing up and I have high hopes for young people. And I would love to know, usually at the end of every episode, we ask each guest about something that gives them hope or something that they're hopeful for. So it can be something in the past that has given you hope or something in the future that you're looking forward to that you're hopeful for. If you need time to think about it, I can go first or you can go if you're ready. How are you feeling? I mean, I'm totally ready. I am ready to go. Oh my I gosh, mean, love this guy. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. The thing in the future that's really easy is the like Eucharistic Congress, which I'm mm. so excited about, especially yes. all the young people who will be involved, who get to walk with Jesus across the United States. It's amazing. Yeah. The thing that I'm so hopeful that's given me hope that just happened in the past a couple months ago, I did a Eucharistic revival for, I think I shared um, in Southern California for young yes. adults. And it was amazing because it was about 700, 800 young adults from wow. Diocese of San Bernardino, Los Angeles, San Diego. Orange County, and all of them got together, not sponsored by a diocese, not sponsored by a bishop. They just, it was totally grassroots. Wow. We celebrated a mass on the beach there. I think it was like, I think it was Dana Point or Laguna Beach or somewhere around there. It was awesome. So the mass was on the beach. And then I get contacted a couple of weeks later from the head of it, who told me that, hey, I, Father Tim, I just want to let you know. Um, we've been banned from ever celebrating mass on the beach there ever again. And I was like, whoa, oh that's my gosh. pretty crazy. Like, yeah, why? What happened? And they said, well, because we celebrated mass there and because there were so many people there, the restaurants and the shops along the beach didn't get any business that day. And so they petitioned to the local government to ban any religious ceremonies from happening so they don't lose any more money. <laughs> and oh my gosh, when I heard that, I got actually, I got really excited. That's like, that's nuts. <laughs> I got really excited because here is a bunch of young people who said yes to the Lord and their faith, and it changed something. Wow. And it changed the culture and it disrupted the culture. And that just gave me so much hope that when we, as, you know, as young people, as, Catholics, when we get together 
and we are in solidarity and we say yes to the Lord, that can, it can totally change the world. So that just brought me so much hope. That's big time. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, for me, something that gives me hope as well is just the Eucharistic pilgrimage, the revival, the Congress. I mean, I had the privilege of meeting the young adults that'll be walking across the country last weekend and they're just so dynamic, so wonderful, some different personalities, different cultural backgrounds, you know, different spiritual backgrounds. And it's just like, what a cool thing to think that in three months, there will be young people that walk a combined like 5,000 miles for Jesus, just like the whole summer, you know, and it's just so, so nuts to think about it. And I'm like, I'm hopeful that throughout their time, them personally, And just from their witness to others that there can really be everyone just having an encounter with Jesus in the Eucharist, you know, because there's like no other time like the present. And to have people that just invite you to come and pray with them is just going to be awesome. So I hope there's so many encounters. And at the end of the summer, you know, everyone's just like, man, we're really on fire. And just like on the road to Emmaus, when the, you know, the pilgrims were like, were our hearts not burning inside of us? I hope it's the same. Just everyone's asking themselves, like, were our hearts not burning inside of us? And why is that? It was because of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I have big hopes for that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see God is working and asking for a revival. So hopefully we do good by him. So (laughs) absolutely. But yes, but father, where can people find more information about you and what you're up to and just praying holy hours and the Eucharist in general? If you want, if you are a reader and you like to read books, you can go on Amazon and find Jesus make me fully alive, which is, um, yeah, 30 holy hour reflections. And also just explaining how to, how to really pray to the Lord and how to begin your prayer. And if you're on social media, you can um, find me at Spirit Juice. That's the handle on on Instagram or YouTube. I do minute-long Sunday homilies for those who have short attention spans that are, you know, relevant to today. So, yeah, go to Spirit Juice on Instagram or YouTube to follow me as well. Perfect. I love it. Well, Father, thank you so much for being with us and look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much, Chanel. God bless you. Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much to Father for being our guest. Please make sure to check out his book, Jesus Make Me Fully Alive at AveMariaPress.com and you can also use the code SPOTLIGHT for a special discount. So make sure to check out his book, Jesus Make Me Fully Alive and go spend some time with Jesus this week. You know, sometimes sitting in adoration can be kind of tough. You know, sitting in prayer can be kind of tough. But for each one of us, Jesus just wants to spend time with us and just get to know us. So I would encourage you to spend some time in prayer this week. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your Lent. I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon. God bless.